0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tax Security Podcast. To listen to more episodes and to view the show notes for each episode, go to www.cisco.com go slash tax security podcast. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode number eight of the Tax Security Show, where our panel of experts discuss all things Cisco security, including configuration, troubleshooting, new features, and hot issues being seen by the Cisco technical assistance security teams. So today we're going to be talking about some of the application inspection features that are available on the the ASA platform. Uh, But first, guys, Valentine's Day is coming up, it's February, and we thought it might be fun to look at some of the tech-related gifts that one could purchase for that uh, special lady in your life. um, I don't know. Let's start off with Magnus. Magnus, what is a tech-related gift you could get for your lady?
1: Uh, well, uh, it's actually something I already got for my lady, but other people may do the same. Um, uh, my wife actually, she just got a, uh, a brand new MacBook, you know, standard gray, um, but she likes things that are pink. so. Uh, searched around, I found uh, some pretty good uh, skin sites where they make uh, different. I guess it's either latex or something like that, but it's essentially an overlay that allows you to style your laptop. They've got it for Macs. They've got it for you know ThinkPads. You name it, they've got it. Um, but you've got everything from solid colors to really artistic things. They run maybe about thirty bucks, but it let you add that kind of personalization to the product. So you've already. I uh, already gave it to her back uh, oh, actually okay. as a kind of a birthday present but um, you know it's more of something for other people if they're interested. Uh, I know if we want to name names of different places to and get pink them. And
2: pink is in line with Valentine's Day. Yeah pink yeah. is in line. So does she yeah. like it?
1: Oh she loves it. It's uh, actually a pink with a turtle on it and it was her sorority colors and everything so she loves it It she eats it so up. that so. one
0: was a winner. Okay. Yeah that's okay. a winner. Okay David what, what's your uh, gift?
2: Uh, I don't know what my gift is, but I, I saw a few things out there. So, uh, On the cheap side, if you want to go cheap, I saw these uh, laser-guided scissors. So, you know, women, they do a lot of wrapping for uh, baby showers and whatever, and you know, you've got to get those lines straight. Laser-guided scissors, $16, bucks, thinky.com. That's but, in, uh, you know, more practical, if you want to spend a few more smackers, they, uh, I've also seen the HP Dream Screen. Which uh, is like a, almost like a mini portable tablet computer, but it like sits on your kitchen counter, it tells you the weather, shows slideshows, um, it can also do Facebook updates and stuff like that. so kind of a little you know if your woman's into that Facebook stuff uh, and looking at pictures and all that good jazz it's, uh, it's not bad for 200 so it's bucks It's
0: like an appliance that sits in your kitchen or something it is
2: it's like an appliance that sits in your k- kitchen for 200 bucks and uh, you know it does a lot of, lot of little cool things um, at the same time, there's a this thing called a me-book maybe uh, at Best Buy that the lady ran into and saw and thought she might like it. It's basically a little uh, five-inch uh, box that has recipe cards that you insert into it, and it'll read the recipe out loud as you're going and cooking, and it'll pause and you know wait until you complete a step, and then i will show you a video of the step, too, apparently. So I don't really know. Didn't didn't buy it, but for uh, 90 bucks, it uh, doesn't look too bad.
0: Mm. 90 bucks. And there's another one, I think, it's the, uh, the My Demi.
2: Yeah, the the yeah, the My Demi. Uh, I think it's very similar, except it doesn't have the video with it where, uh, you know, for my wife who's not, you know, an expert chef, uh, she, that's what she really liked about it. She's like, hey, it shows you the video of how to make it, you know? So, I don't know. That's now a I know I how to julienne a
0: carrot. Yes. <laughs> I know the My Demi syncs up with the Key Ingredient website, so you'll, you like, like, push down recipes to the thing and... I don't know. Sometimes I hate having my laptop in the kitchen when I'm cooking. It's oh, yeah. like a recipe for disaster. Get it? Uh, so. <laughs> uh,
2: um. Yeah, I think that Demi's about that. Uh, two uh, two ninety nine. So quite a bit more expensive than the uh, than my book. Okay. My book.
0: Blaine.
3: So my girlfriend says that when she gets plants, she's just waiting for them to, to die. So she kills plants left and right. And and I'm sorry about that. I'll just say that up front. And. Uh, so what I was going to get for her is this, this cool little thing that's been around for a while. It's actually a, kind of a PCB kit, and you create this sensor that you dip into the soil of a potted plant, and then it connects via an Ethernet cable to your router, and it sends tweets based on the amount of uh, water content in the soil. So when it gets too dry, it sends a tweet, you know, it says, you didn't water me, and, and if it's overwatered, then it sends one there, and, and then it'll just send you status updates on the, on the content in the soil. So I figure what says love more than, you know, soldering and (laughs) connecting an Ethernet jack. Love in
1: 140 characters or less. Uh
0: All right, well, the one I picked out was the Microsport Japanese MP3 player on thinkgeek.com. So this Um, You know, my wife and I, we go running, we take our iPods and stuff, but I'm always looking for a smaller version. Um, So this is the smallest one I could find. It's actually an earbud that you just clip into your ear and that is the speaker and the MP3 player. And then there's a small wire that runs around the back of your head with an earbud to the other ear. So it's completely self-contained, it just hangs out on your ear and it's it's really small. It's imported cool. from Japan. Cool. What capacities do they come in? Four gigabytes. Four gigabytes. So, I mean, you know, if you're just going for a jog, that's fine.
3: That's a normal iPod. Smaller
2: iPod.
0: Yeah, and you could lo- you know you could load up your favorite podcast on there, your favorite tax security podcast.
2: If yeah, you, you could load up uh, all these podcasts and have your wife or significant other listen to these as yeah, they run. Yeah, because
0: you know they want to listen to all this <laughs> stuff. You know they're very interested, I'm sure. So um, maybe
2: next episode we'll have to talk about gifts for the wives to give their husbands. Eh? Mm, <laughs> <there we go. laughs> listen to it doesn't do as they run. <laughs> we'll <have to laughs> load to that episode up. So
0: <laughs> that runs about eighty bucks, and uh, we'll include in the show notes all the information about um, where you can get to these products. Uh, but we thought those were pretty cool. Okay, on to the technical part of the, uh, the talk today. We're going to talk about the application inspection features available on the ASA. So um, the ASA uh, has some specific config- configurations you can make to um, have the firewall do some special things based on different uh, protocols, different application protocols that pass through the firewall. Um, some of, some uh, traffic protocols require some advanced inspection to work correctly with firewalls. So we're going to talk about some of those uh, specific protocol application inspections you can configure on the firewall, and um, you know some of the things that they do. So if you've looked at your ASA uh, configuration, you probably noticed at the very bottom of the config there's a section for inspections. So we have um, under, a, under the modular policy framework, you'll see under a policy map, under a class, you'll see uh, maybe inspect FTP or uh, inspect HTTP, right? And that's instructing the firewall for the traffic that's matched to match, to uh, perform the advanced application inspection. And for the most part, if you say inspect FTP on a certain traffic class, it's going to apply the basic, uh, the basic default FTP inspection. Uh, But for a lot of these uh, protocols we're going to talk about today, you can apply a more advanced application inspection um, and tweak some of the knobs that are available for that inspection using a policy map that you can apply to the inspection as well.
2: Right, so for like FTP, um, by default, if you just say Inspect FTP, which is in the default um, configuration, then you know it'll check the control channel, it's going to um, check whether it's active or passive. Uh, If it needs to, uh, it'll create a con for the data channel to allow that traffic to go through. It watches the commands to make sure that uh, the commands are all valid and that um, if there's any IP addresses that are getting NATed, that when they send in the port command that they NAT the embedded IPs as well so that your FTP traffic flows through seamlessly. Um, if, If your server's, you know, is on the inside, then all you have to do is open up TCP port 21 or FTP to allow that and, you know, the ASA takes care of the rest. However, you can, as Jay was saying, you can apply a policy map type inspect for FTP. It allows you to customize it a bit more um, so that you can say, hey, I only want to allow passive FTP or active FTP to my server, or I only want to allow um, certain commands um, to be performed and all other commands um, I want to be dropped or masked out, or uh, I just want to be notified if users are doing that so I can add a log at the end of it. Uh, so, you know, you have quite a bit of flexibility in. Uh, and what, uh, what you can configure with the FTP inspection as well as a number of the other inspections.
0: So for example, um, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. So if uh, someone was running an ASA as their firewall and their internal FTP server maybe had a vulnerability where a certain command would cause some problem and you know they can't patch the server for another 12 hours or something and they've got to mitigate the attack, they could use the ASA to block that specific command if that was what was triggering.
2: Absolutely. Or if they have, you know, fairly custom um, setup where, you know, users are only getting say certain file names even, right, then you can apply a regular expression match that says, hey, only allow people to get files of this particular name. Or you can even do of a particular type. So you can say, hey, you know, I know this is all that they're going to be getting from this server. It's just hosting you know .bin files or files that start with a certain characters or whatever, and that's all they ever should want. So I can really restrict them to say, get only file names that have this text in them, this r- regular expression in them. So um, yeah, there's a lot of lot of capabilities that you can do to customize, um, you know, the inspection engine for FTP on the ASA.
0: Okay, and just to back up a bit, um, so you're talking about the FTP inspection. You you said that it does some things, um, it opens up some access, it does some NAT, but um, just to give an example, say uh, a Customer has a firewall um, and it's doing port address translation out to the internet. It's their main internet gateway. And their users on the inside do um, active FTP a lot, so out to the internet. So what would happen if that inspect FTP line were removed from the firewall? What would happen if the the firewall was not doing FTP inspection?
2: So for active FTP, right, for the command channel, the client on the inside initiates the connection to port 21 out on the internet for that FTP server. then the server's gonna reply back for the data channel and initiate its own inbound connection to the client for the data channel. So without Inspect FTP on, then you would have to open up, you know, basically a significant number of ports, all the high number of ports for allow the server to connect back in on you. And that's not something that you wanna do. You can, if you knew what the FTP server was, then you can say, from this source, allow, you know, inbound connections to all high ports to any of my clients. But obviously there's a big security gap there, so it's not something you wanna do.
1: Okay. Well, another one of the inspections that uh, we have here on our ASA platform is uh, HTTP inspection. And uh, HTTP inspection, you know, it provides some key benefits uh, to the platform, one of which uh, some customers enjoy is basic URL logging. You know, it watches the HTTP flows as they pass through the firewall, and when it sees somebody make a GET request for, you know, a piece of information, it'll log a syslog indicating that somebody is doing whatever that action is. Um, other benefits include you know, RFC conformance, much like basically all the rest of the inspections, uh, specifically RFC 2616, which is the HTTP 1.1 inspection. Um, but then some of the other benefits that I've seen a lot of customers use are in what you can configure in, as Jay was mentioning, one of the uh, policy maps of type inspect. So you can go through and configure it such that it can match on uh, HTTP request methods like get or put. What you're actually requesting for, the URI, you know, index.html, your hostname, yahoo.com, youtube.com, uh, encoding types, basically anything you would see in an HTTP packet, you can match on. And I've seen customers use this as sort of a rudimentary URL filtering solution. You know, they don't want to go out and buy a, you know, a CSC module or URL filtering system like WebSense, et cetera. So what they'll do is, oh, I just want to block YouTube. Well, you can do that using this uh, HTTP inspection. Create a regex and matches on YouTube, then you tell your HTTP inspection to drop or reset anything that matches that. So somebody goes to YouTube, they type it in, browser resets, they can't get to it. It's very simple. Uh, unfortunately, it has that sort of administrative overhead of a, you know having to maintain that regex list. But it's saved a few customers in a pinch. Um,
0: and you can configure that regex list on the firewall itself. Yes. Okay.
1: So you create a list of you know YouTube, Google, or whatever, and eventually you can set all the ones you want and just go ahead and block them out. So, given
3: that that you can configure this and you can, you know, essentially use it as a URL filtering replacement, there there's certainly administrative overhead oh, for definitely. configuring the regex list. Is there any performance overhead for having large number of regex lists and doing URL filtering?
1: Um, I haven't run into any case wise. I'm sure there are some limitations on the product platform as to how many you can both configure and how many will run. You know, since you're essentially forcing all your traffic through this, um, but also on that same sort of performance issue. Uh, Part of the HTTP inspection is a normalization of the flow. In other words, we make sure that the packets are ordered uh, such that we can actually look and inspect and see these different commands being used. Uh, We do see a lot of cases, and I'm sure everyone here has had a handful of them, uh, where customers will say, oh, my HTTP traffic is slow and it's because they've got a lot of out of order packets due to their ISP shuffling packets and the firewall is sitting there buffering up everything. Again, that's one of the artifacts of, uh, you know, HTTP inspection. We need ordered packets.
2: Right, and I don't know um, that that has how many class maps you have or regex expressions that you have. That affects performance so much as by doing the HTTP deep packet inspection, it will reduce, like, the overall um, connection per second rate if you're doing HTTP connections, obviously. If it's mm-hmm. not HTTP, then it's not going to apply. But for HTTP, because you have to look deeper into the packet, that does take additional processing power, and therefore you're not going to be able to get you know that whatever the spec is for the connection per second on a given appliance you're not going to be able to get that with that level of deep packet inspection for regic inspection, inspection matching. So.
1: Definitely, definitely and you know a- another inspection that's somewhat along a similar line would be DNS inspection. So uh, DNS inspection uh, I believe it's turned on by default and it comes with uh, usually a preset class map or excuse me a preset policy map attached to it that uh, specifically limits it Uh, limits the DNS responses to be of a certain length. I believe it's 512 bytes, if I'm not mistaken. And sort of what this inspection's really there for, um, you'll see in uh, some cases, uh, customers will need to use uh, DNS rewrites. So uh, without going too far into what DNS rewrite is really there for, um, it's all about, you know, making sure to update A records in DNS responses to match your translations if you have it configured to do so. Um, If you're looking to do something like that, you have to have your DNS inspection there because that's part of the driving mechanism that goes through and ensures that that's done. Uh, Other things that are done with the uh, DNS inspection would be uh, some additional RFC conformance. uh, Enforces domain lengths to be uh, of 255 bytes or less and that certain label lengths are there. But similar in nature to HTTP inspection, you can also do matching on this with regex. You can match uh, the domain names that you're requesting. Uh, You can match DNS classes and types such that you can do another layer of content filtering, but this time on your actual DNS traffic.
2: Right, and also um, there has been a few enhancements to the DNS inspection made recently for um, both for automatic eDNS zero support um, is one of the things that was just recently added. Um, and also an increase in, uh, in the default uh, maximum length where it you know, has been 5.12 for a long time. That's um, automatically been increased as well in, in some of the latest versions, some of the latest interims. And uh, 8.3, when it comes out, will we'll have that in it
1: as well. And on the topic of uh, later builds of code, uh, in 8.2 when we come out with the uh, botnet filtering, there is also the requirement that you have the uh, DNS snooping option, and that's the dynamic-filter-snoop. Uh, keyword that would be attached to that inspection and that ties into that whole botnet functionality as well.
2: Yep, helps create that uh, that cache so for every request um, that's going through, you know, from the clients out to the internet for, uh, for DNS resolving, it creates a cache of name to IP addresses so it can resolve that in the botnet filter that's there, you know, whether it's a domain or an IP address, it, it's got the cache so it can, you know, check either one in that list.
3: So the next protocol we have to talk about is ESMTP inspection and what that does is it, it monitors the commands that are sent via SMTP or ESMTP through the ASA. Um, it's much like the, the DNS uh, inspection in that it can take an additional inspection policy map, however this doesn't show up by default when you do a show run. So if you do a show run all you'll then see that that inspect policy map applied to the inspect ESMTP line. So a couple of things it does, it it restricts the number of commands that you can send to the SMTP server down to seven commands that are in RFC 821, those are your standard SMTP commands, and eight ESMTP commands. All other commands are X'd out, they're actually changed to X's and they're rejected by the server, often with a 500 command unknown response coming from the server. So it also makes uh, each and every command be at least four characters in length and terminated with a carriage return and a line feed. So it's essentially making you comply with uh, with the RFC there. A um, couple of other things: it will actually asterisk out the uh, the SMTP banner except for the two zero and zero characters, and the mail and receipt commands must be in compliance. So. Uh, in addition to, you know, all those, all those different things that we talked about that you can uh, monitor on the ESMTP connection are all applied inside of the inspect policy mat, which is in addition to the policy mat, which actually uh, uh, you enter the inspect ESMTP command on. And inside of a parameters attribute, you can actually uh, match and also specify an action that you're going to take on, on each of those individual attributes.
0: So this inspection is doing a lot of protocol conformance and also, you know, really stripping the protocol down so that there's a, it's, it's a small subset of perhaps what the server or the client might offer. I mean, it's really taking it down to just the core commands used and needed for functions for sending that mail.
3: Right. Everything else is rejected. And in addition to stripping the protocol down to the basics, I mean, there's also a lot of flexibility here. So you can use regex to monitor for particular email uh, recipients or senders. Um, you can look at uh, body text and actually drop mails that, uh, you know, have maybe explicit content in them or, you know, data-sensitive content, something like that. So there's there's a whole lot of flexibility in what you can do, much like, you know, HTTP, FTP, DNS, et cetera.
2: Yeah, I've seen some people use it for matching on the file names that are attached. You know, if they want to strip out executable files, they can create regexits that match those and then, you know, strip out those file types. Um, I think the main thing for people to keep in mind is, um, you know, if they apply their own... Um, ESMTP policy map instead of the default one that, you know, you got to realize that there's a default one there and one of the main things is with Exchange servers is that uh, when doing uh, ESMTP, they'll send some parameters in the uh, ehello reply and, uh, you know, if if those parameters go through and we don't mask them out, then the communication fails. So in the default one, there's a match ehello reply parameter others and the action is mask. So you got to make sure that if you do create your own custom one and you don't use the default one, that you add that um, to it. Otherwise, you could have run into problems with Exchange mail servers.
3: Right. And if you want to see what attributes are set in that default policy inspect map, you can you can just do a show run all policy map, and it'll actually show you that that policy map. So you can look at what attributes are set by default. Yeah.
0: Okay. Next up, um, th- we've got some voice protocols. So the ones I'm going to talk about are Skinny SIP and H323. For uh, you know the the PICS Firewall platform and the ASA um, for a while now. You know they've supported these uh, these voice and video protocols. Um, and with the firewall, you know with the access lists and the capability to do NAT, if it didn't look at these protocols and decode them and look for those embedded IPs, you know and, and rewrite them where necessary, the protocols just wouldn't work. So with all of these um, different. Protocols Skinny, SIP, and H323, there's the concept of this control channel that's established between maybe two devices. So for example, with Skinny, there's a Skinny connection on TCP port 2000 between the phone and, say, the call manager that it's registered to. And, um, you know, when a user wants to dial another phone or bring up a connection, that communication is done over that control channel on port 2000. And the firewall, with the inspection enabled for Skinny, is going to monitor that and look for the um, information that the phone and the call manager use to set up that uh, media stream between them so that it can bring up the call. And you know, if, the fi- if, say, the, um, the phone is padded by the firewall before it gets to the call manager, well, when the phone sends its IP address re- saying, hey, I need to receive this audio stream, it's important that the firewall change that IP address that it's reporting to, otherwise um, the call manager isn't going to send the traffic to the right you know, endpoint because it thinks that the phone is the PAT address of the firewall, right? So um, that that same idea passes across and it, it applies to the SIP, Skinny, and H3, H323 inspection. Um, and, and we'll start with Skinny. That runs on port 2000. Uh, the firewall supports all the Skinny versions up to version 3.3.2. We support uh, NAT and PAT, but we don't support outside NAT or outside PAT for the Skinny connections. Um, And all of these protocols support further parameter maps for further configuration tweaks and and tweaking of the application inspection. For SIP, um, these are going to by default those connections are going to be on TCP port 5060 or UDP port 5060. And with the inspect SIP uh, command in the configuration, you're going to see the behavior much like Skinny, where it monitors the control channel and dynamically opens up those ports. And the Third protocol I'm going to talk about today is H323. Starting in version 8.2, uh, we now support H323 through version 6, as well as H.239, um, and that runs by default on TCP port 1720 and UDP port 1718, and the UDP RAS ports are 1718 through 1719. So, just like with FTP, you should just have to permit that initial uh, command and control session through the firewall for Skinny Port 2000. And then the firewall should dynamically create connections to allow that, uh, those uh, media streams through the firewall and for the call to complete. And then when uh, the call is torn down, uh, the firewall should automatically tear down those media streams and, um, you know, the call should hang up appropriately.
2: I think um, also there's, for monitoring your voice connections through the firewall, um, you know, you can issue show skinny or show sip um, commands and it'll actually show you both the control channel between the endpoints, but also the audio stream that's between the endpoints. So it's really nice to see actively how many calls you've got up and how many you know phones registered or calls established. Uh, it's an easy way of uh, you know monitoring that type of statistics. Whereas the other inspection engines, um, like for example FTP, there there is no associated command to do that. You can look at say show service policy. Um, or show service policy FTP, and it'll show you some details about how many packets were dropped and how many packets were inspected, but it doesn't tell you, for example, how many active FTP connections, control channel, and or data channel that you have going on. Just uh, the voice protocols do have that um, extra flexibility and usability uh, in them, and I think it's a really nice feature to have.
0: And when customers call into the TAC and they say, okay, my call isn't coming up at all, or after exactly one minute it gets torn down, Um, you know, one of the things we do is we get packet captures and we're gonna look in those packet captures taken on the firewall to see if there is NAT going on, um, or is the firewall correctly fixing up or applying third-party NAT to that, uh, that particular IP address that's embedded. And uh, we talked about packet captures on the firewall in episode one of the podcast. So if you're interested in uh, understanding how to gather those, uh, which would apply for troubleshooting any of these inspections, um, just check out episode one of the show.
3: So the next protocol we have is ICMP. So we do two different uh, things with ICMP, and they actually uh, are shown in two different inspect lines inside your policy map. The first thing that we do is inspect ICMP, which is uh, ensure that there's only one uh, response to each ICMP request and that the sequence numbers are correct. The second thing that we do uh, is look at ICMP error messages. And you see the inspect ICMP error line inside your policy map there. We generally hide the devices. Let's say you're doing a traceroute through the ASA. We generally hide the devices on the other side of the ASA um, by, you know, giving you asterisks, for example, inside of, of a Windows traceroute. Well, if we add uh, inspect ICMP error, it'll actually reveal those internal IPs for you. If you have NAT configured on on the ASA, it'll actually translate those internal hops, um, and if you don't, it, it will return the actual IP.
2: Right. So. Um in addition to uh, the ICMP inspection, um, as Blaine mentioned, there's actually two There are two separate inspections. So even though if you enable inspect ICMP error, um, that's only for the error inspection. It doesn't include the ECHO request and ECHO reply inspection. It only includes um, what are known as ICMP error types, so like packet too big um, and things like that. So you actually need to enable both inspections, inspect ICMP and then inspect ICMP error so that you, you actually have two separate independent ICMP inspections apply. Uh, the, the final inspection I think we'll talk about today is uh, is WAS or Wide Area Application Services. So for for this, it basically allows um, uh, TCP acceleration across a WAN link. So it, you can have performance as if you're on a local LAN, but it's actually going across a WAN um, using uh, using accelerators. Um, and so if the accelerators are behind the firewall, then the firewall. Uh, whether it be the ASA or FWSM or PICS, it needs to understand that for these TCP sessions they are um, compressed and other changes are being made to those flows so you can't really perform the normal layer 4 through 7 checks on those packets because it it won't make any sense because they've been compressed. So there is a TCP option that is set for these flows and it's uh, option 21 Uh, It's 21 in hex that converts to uh, 33 for decimal. That indicates that the flow has been optimized for WAS. And if you enable um, Inspect WAS, then the ASA will look at those packets, see after, you know, at the end of the three-way handshake is when the uh, the TCP option are set on them, and then also the sequence number gets advanced by uh, 2 to the 31st power on that um, to also indicate that uh, it's a WAS um, compressed packet flows. Um, and in that case, you know, we're just going to do layer three and uh, some four, layer four checks on that packet, but otherwise no other inspections um, would be applied to those packets because there's nothing else we can actually look into the payload and, and change on them, unfortunately. Yeah, for for WAS to verify, you know, what's going on, we also have a show service policy inspect WAS that uh, you can look at that'll also give you a counter of how many WAS connections have completed and are, you know, have been quote-unquote inspected, and how many have started but haven't actually, uh, you know, both endpoints or both was, engines didn't agree that that flow would need to be um, uh, compressed, so therefore uh, it didn't complete that session, and we'll have separate counters for those. Uh, Finally, there's also um, a WCCP redirect option, which is a little bit similar to WAS because WAS also uses WCCP in most cases, but with uh, WCCP redirect um, for WCCP it allows you to like use cache engines, whether it be a Cisco cache engine or like a Blue Coat or some other vendor cache engine, it allows you to redirect your uh, web request over to the cache engine and then have the cache engine service those requests for you. It's not applied under um, an inspection instead it's it's its own standalone top level command called uh, WCCP. Um, and on the ASA, we currently support WCCP version two only. And uh, also, the other requirement is is both the client and the cache engine have to exist off the same interface, so that you know, for the client, when it talks directly to the cache engine, that traffic stream will not pass through the ASA. So that is a restriction. So both the client and uh, WCCP cache engine would have to exist, say, on the inside interface. You know, the client would make a connection out. WCC redirect is on the ASA, it'll redirect it over to the cache engine via GRE uh, tunnel, and then the cache engine will serve up that content for the client.
0: And we're seeing more and more customers deploying these types of acceleration and uh, proxy server features. Um, and just to be clear, the, for the WAS, uh, for that WAS inspection, that, t- that acceleration of the TCP flow is not done by the firewall, it's done by a separate WAS appliance that, in the, for the most part, like lives behind the firewall somewhere. Right. Um, and I remember when uh, those were first being deployed, and you were talking about the sequence number shifts and how we're setting this TCP option and our firewall really our uh, ASA really wasn't playing nice too much with those flows and so that's why we added that um, inspect was feature and ever since that the attack case has just gone away
2: right well, yeah, because uh, you know obviously for the layer four inspection with all TCP, we inspect um, the sequence numbers and make sure that they're valid within the window. so I mean you know, for that reason alone, we would be dropping those packets.
0: Hey, everybody! This is a message to our listeners. We really want to know uh, what you think about the show. We want your feedback, um, both positive and negative, about what you've heard so far. And also, please uh, send us a message and let us know what you would like to what you would like to hear us discuss on the show, because uh, we make the show for you guys. So. And
2: thanks to everyone who's already uh, sent in uh, some emails. We appreciate your comments, and uh, we responded to each and every one of them.
0: Yep. So you can uh, submit feedback. Um, you can also just email us directly at securityshow at cisco.com, and that email will get to all of us, and we'll make sure to write you back.
3: And you can download and listen to the, the podcast on that webpage and you can also find us. There's, a, there's an RSS link on there, and then there's mm-hmm. also an iTunes link, I believe, on the web page, right? Or you can just go to iTunes and search for Cisco TAC, and our podcast will pop up there. And be sure to rate us and provide some feedback uh, if you want. Yeah, share it with all your
1: friends. We are the gift that keeps on giving.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tax Security Podcast. To listen to more episodes and to view the show notes for each episode, go to www.cisco.com slash go taxsecuritypodcast.